If you will open up in your Bibles, we are going to be today in 1 Kings chapter 3, 1 Kings chapter 9, and 1 Kings chapter 11. We got three things to, to look at. This is a story that everyone is probably very familiar with, but we don't necessarily look at it a whole lot. But we are going to here today. We have been looking at the seven qualities of maturity. Not that there's only seven qualities, but if you will focus on these seven qualities, if you will get these seven qualities of spiritual maturity going in your life, you will find that your life will change. You will find that your life will, will become altered in a good way, that your growth spiritually will increase. You will become more dependent upon by other people, by God, and life will be good. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But it will be good. Last week, we are looking at how I can make sure I receive those words of encouragement, because that is our, our seventh and final one, encouragement, that when you are walking in maturity, you are able to give better encouragement than when those who are immature, those who are not spiritually mature yet. And so we've spent a couple of weeks looking at how God encouraged people, and we spent... Uh, one week looking at how God encouraged Moses at the burning bush. We looked at another week how God encouraged Joshua and, and Gideon. We looked at both then the same week. And uh, as I go through the Word of God, I find out that there is really no account of God encouraging anyone else for a long time. I'm not saying that He didn't. I'm saying we have no record of it. But what we do have a record of is when He came to Solomon. And we're going to be taking a look at that today. But if you want to make sure that you receive the words of encouragement, we gave you five things. I hope you've been focusing on them this week. First off, meditate on what God says as if you didn't get it all yet. Second, treat what God speaks as true even if you don't feel it. Third, question to understand but don't question to doubt. What God spoke to me, or number four, what God spoke to me is what I need to get me through, believe that. If he spoke it to you, that's what you need. If he didn't speak it to you, you didn't need it. Number five, if God believes in you, shouldn't you? We looked at a number of other principles of, of encouragement that you can go back and take a look at those on for the, from the last two weeks. But let's take a look here at 1 Kings chapter 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1. We're going to take a look at someone in Solomon here who received God's encouragement, got better and better, and then all of a sudden, he didn't. And we all know how Solomon ended, it got worse. How did Solomon go from a place of receiving the encouragement of God, receiving the gift of God to be all wise, go to the place of falling? How could that possibly happen? In verse 1 here of chapter 3, Now Solomon made a treaty with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and married Pharaoh's daughter, then he brought her to the city of David until he had finished building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall all around Jerusalem. Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. I want to show you something here. It's not in the scripture, but I bet you can answer this. It said that Solomon married Pharaoh's daughter for what purpose? For a treaty. What does God say about that? What does God say about his people marrying people who worship other gods in order to form a treaty? And this is before he got all the wisdom, but did Solomon know enough at this point not to do this? Yes, he did. All he had to do was read the Word of God. Before you start pointing your finger at Solomon, just remember how many things are written in the Word of God that you decided are not for you. <laughs> Meanwhile, the people sacrificed at the high places because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in the statues of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. Seems like I've repeated this the last couple of weeks uh, a few times. But the high places... These are places that are in Israel that they would go to and they would sacrifice to, to God. This particular area of the world had a couple of very high, high places. 
very sacred high places. These were sacred to the idolatrous worshipers. And they did a lot of satanic things there. They did a lot of evil things there. And these Israel inherited, they were supposed to break them down and destroy them. But some of them still seem to have survived. Now, this seems to be a high place where they worshiped God at it. But God didn't want them worshiping Him at the high places. They didn't have a, tabern- a, a temple, and they used that as the excuse. Well, we don't have a temple yet. Well, they had a tabernacle, and up until now, the tabernacle has worked just fine. In fact, God even said, I never asked for a house. Appreciate that you want to build me one, but the tabernacle has been just fine. They could have used that in the same way, but they went to the high places. It says, Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statues of his father David, except that he sacrificed and burned incense at the high places. You will find in today's world, as well as in the world that Solomon there lives, that there are a whole lot of people who say they love the Lord, who actually do love the Lord, but don't do what the Lord wants them to do. Solomon is doing what the Lord does not want him to do, but it says he loved the Lord. And he followed every other one except this. It's the only one he uh, apparently had a hard time with. He would go up to these high places. He could have gone to the tabernacle. He could have gone there and done this, but he went to the high place instead. Now, God shows up here and God speaks to him here at the tabernacle. Just because God shows up and speaks to you where you're at does not mean he likes where you are. (laughs) You got to understand that. God will reach you. He'll speak to you all kinds of places, but it does not mean that's where he wants you. There's a whole lot of Christians out there, immature. They're doing a thing. They're in a place. And God spoke to them. Yeah, but God spoke to me there. Yeah, well, wise up. God didn't want you there. But he still spoke to you there. Now, the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, said, ask, what shall I give you? Now, you look at this. He offered a thousand sacrifices on the altar. How many sacrifices does it take to purge you of the, or to cover up your sins to the, to the next time of sacrifice? How many sacrifices does it take? Anybody take a guess. How many sacrifices does it take if you miss God, you need to come and worship Him, you brought the sacrifice. How many did you bring? One. One. Why are we doing a thousand? I have to wait to get to heaven to find out that one, I think. But God still shows up here. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar at Gibeon. The Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said, You have shown great mercy to your servant David, my father, because he walked before you in truth, in righteousness, and in uprightness of heart with you. You have continued this great kindness for him, and you have given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king instead of your father David. By him a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people too numerous to be numbered or counted. Therefore, give to your servant an understanding heart to judge your people that I may discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? Wouldn't it be nice to hear some people that are politicians, people that are in leadership, Uh, realize, I don't know a thing, I need the wisdom of God. Wouldn't that just be refreshing? Instead, what do we hear out of politicians? We know it all. We know how to fix it. Of course, they don't fix much. But this is the first word that came from the Lord. And he says, what shall I give you? What shall I give you? This is about supply. How many of you ever set out to do something and you don't have the right supplies? Ever done that? How many uh, people in here have done plumbing? How many of you done plumbing? All right, a couple of you have done plumbing. How many of you know this to be a fact? That if you begin a plumbing project and you are not a plumber, it will require generally three to four trips to Lowe's. How many of you know that? I mean, you go for the first trip to get what you thought you needed, but it wasn't. And then you bring that home, you find out that isn't like there. One of the pieces work, but the other three, they don't work. So you go on back, you explain it to the person, this is what I'm doing, this is what I need. 
and then you're going back with three new pieces, and you're coming in and find out, all right, but well, this one worked, but these two now, they don't work, and, and, I, and I also I have this issue that's coming up now. And so by the time you get done, usually, isn't it right, right, right three or four? Electric's not that way. Electric, you usually go one time, you get what you need, you come on back and take care of. Plumbing, I don't know what it is about plumbing. Every time I've taken on a project, I have to budget in there three to four trips to Lowe's. Sometimes I go over to Lowe's and give me that, 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 and that, because I'll return what I don't need. <laughs> oh, man. It's a, it's a supply. It can get you discouraged. You're out there trying to get the thing done, and you don't have a fitting. You don't have something that you need. Supply can get us discouraged, but if you take on a project for God, if you have a calling of God, if you have something that God says, I want you to do this, if you're trying to live life for God, if any of these things are going on and you feel on the inside, I am not supplied to do this. I don't know enough of the word. I've got too much sin. I've got this. I've got that. I don't have this. I don't have that. And we find all these things we're missing, all these things that are not quite right. And our supply is there. You look at a lot of people that are battling depression, battling discouragement. A lot of times they feel that their supply is cut off. I don't have enough joy. I don't have enough good things in my life. I don't have enough of this. I don't have enough of that. Supply generally comes to be uh, the area. Sometimes we have too much. I got too much pain. I got too much illness. I got too much this. We don't like all those things. But God appeared to him in in a dream, and basically he's taking care of his supply problem. What do you need? You've been at this for a little while. You, st- you became king. Here, you're, you're following after the calling. What is it that you need? He gives him a blank check. How many would like a blank check from God? He just comes to you in a dream. Didn't even show up personally. Showed up in a dream. What do you want? And this is what he said in his dream. Because this is what he's thinking about. He's seeing the job and he says, I don't think I can, I can get this. We can find great discouragement if we allow ourselves to be convinced that we don't have what we need to get done what we should be doing. How long will it be until you see it's God's fault? That'll hinder your relationship there. Well, do we think more on what provisions we need for living, what provisions we need for health, what provisions we need for other people? If God came down to you right now and said, Steve, what do you need? What, do you, what in all the world, what do you want? Now, he apparently could ask anything. He could have asked for riches. Because God says, hey, you didn't ask for riches. Apparently, he could have asked for that. How many could say, I could use more money than I have? We're going to have, have an altar call at the end of the service because we've got a whole lot of liars out here. <laughs> well, yeah. Always seems like there's too many things coming at us than what we have the, the, the money for. If God were to come down there and say, what can I do for you? you? We could come up with, if a rich person were to show up at your door and say, I'm going to write you a check. How much do you need? How many are calculating? How much do I owe my mortgage? How much do I owe my car? How much do I owe? And you want to come up with a figure. They can write the, that amount on. He, didn't, he wasn't thinking about all that. He didn't come up with it. He didn't come up with things that were wrong with him physically. I'm supposed to be king. I'm not as strong as I should be. Can I have the strength of Samson? He didn't ask for that. What he asked for is, I need wisdom because I'm taking on things with these people and I, I don't know what to do sometimes. You know, if you had wisdom, great wisdom, you'd be able to solve most of your problems. So he says, that's what I need. I need wisdom. And God was very pleased with this. It says in verse 10, the speech pleased the Lord. The speech pleased the Lord. You don't need God in your life showing up like a Make-A-Wish Foundation. His word tells you He is your supply. All you got to do is believe it. Can you find this kind of encouragement in His word? Can you find this kind of encouragement? Encouragement that says, what do you need? What can I supply you with? What can I give to you? Can you find words in the scripture that talk about that? We sure can. Those words are written for you. Take them as if they they are true. Now, maturity is finding encouragement that you need around you. That's maturity. Mature people can find the encouragement they need around them. Immature needs to cry out for it. 
People, the more immature they are, the more they're crying out. I need people to tell me I'm doing okay. Mature people don't need that. They find the encouragement around them. That's where we need to get to. So the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. Then God said to him, because you have not, because you have asked this thing and have not asked long life for yourself, nor have asked riches for yourself, nor have asked the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself, understanding to discern justice. Behold, I have done according to your word. See, I have given you a wise and understanding heart so that there, there has not been anyone like you before you, nor shall any like you arise after you. And I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be anyone like you among the kings all your days. So if you walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments as your father David walked, then I will lengthen your days. And Solomon awoke, and indeed it had been a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord, offered up burnt offerings, offered peace offerings, and made a feast for all his servants. So this is, is called later on, it is called a visit from the Lord. Even though it was in a dream, it is called a visit of the Lord. And in this visit, God has given him the supply. He has letting him know, I am going to supply you. What is the supply? What is the greatest thing that you think you need? I will supply it right now. So he said, I think it is wisdom. Now, it was just a dream. He had to believe that dream. And, of course, the rest of the chapter goes on with the very famous story of the baby that the two women were claiming. We're not going to go in there. Go over to 1 Kings chapter 9. And it came to pass, verse 1, when Solomon had finished building the house of the Lord and the king's house and all Solomon's desire, which he wanted to do, that the Lord appeared to Solomon the second time. It's the second time he appeared. As he had appeared to him at Gibeon. How did he appear to him at Gibeon? In a dream. So how did he appear here? In a dream. And the Lord said to him, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you have made before me. I have consecrated this house which you have built to put my name there forever. And my eyes and my heart will be there perpetually. That's in the chapters before that we skipped over. After they dedicated the temple, he made that prayer. Now, if you walk before me as your father David walked in integrity of heart and in uprightness to do according to all that I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying you shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. This is the second word from the Lord. If you will do this, then I will do that. If you will walk before me as your father David walked, in integrity of heart and in uprightness, to do according to all I have commanded you, and if you keep my statutes and my judgments, then I will establish the throne of your kingdom over Israel forever, as I promised David your father, saying, You shall not fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Now, this, he's telling them, this is what I'm going to give you. I'm going to give to you stability. I'm going to give to you that your sons will be on the throne forever. This is what I'm telling you. All you have to do is keep what I've commanded. You've got to walk in them. Now, here's something that mature people know. Mature people know that anything of real value will cost them. Mature people know this. Anything of real value will cost you. That's the first one. The second one, mature people know that anything of real value is worth paying what is valued. They don't mind paying what is worth. Mature people know that anything of real value, they don't mind paying what it's worth. If you walk in there, you find an immature person. How many have ever done this? You needed a tool. Let's just say it's one of those um, weed whackers. How many people going out and bought a weed whacker? And you go in. The first couple of times you walk in and you buy a weed whacker, you tell me if this is not so. You went in there, what would you buy? I bought the cheap one. Well, this one's 50 bucks. This one's $400. I'm not buying $400 for a weed whacker. I don't even like weed whackers. You go in there and you buy the $50 one. The Toro. Whatever, whoever. 
makes it. And you come on home with that, and you get going for a little while, and how long does it last you guys? Come on, you buy the $50 wean whacker. We've all had the experience with how long does it last? Maybe the summer? And, well, this brand's no good. You get rid of that brand. You go out there, you get the next brand. Next brand's 100 bucks. 100 bucks, that's twice as much as I spent before. And you go one out there, and you, it, it works you know, okay for a little while. But then... I had more weed whackers stuffed in my, um, my shed. Now, one of them somebody else brought to me. I don't even know what brand that was. They brought it over for me to hold it for them. They just never picked it up. Um, but I had a couple other ones. You know, they just they would go bad on me. I said, forget this. And I went out to the Ace Hardware. My son was working there, so I got a discount. Went out to the Ace Hardware, and I bought a uh, Echo. Now, I had to lay out 300 bucks for that Echo. My son was in, uh, worked at the, uh, there, I think, something like 10 years ago, something like that. It still works exactly the way it worked on the first day I bought it. It still starts up exactly the way it started up the first day I bought it. Now, I'm not telling you to go out there and buy Echoes. If you talk to, if you talk to Les, he'll tell you to go out there and buy a steel. I won't tell you to buy a steel. I'll tell you to buy an Echo. He'll tell you to buy the steel. You, you listen to whoever you want to. <laughs> he likes steel. I like Echo. If I have my choice between steel and Echo, I buy Echo. If he has his choice, he buys steel. In fact, you just go looking for him, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. I know a few of the differences that are between it. But I've, I've had some of those. And whatever I buy that's one of these higher quality tools, it just, it just lasts. And it keeps working. And you don't have to go out there and buy a new one all the time. We were trying to do that here around in the church. You know, we get the cordless vacuums. Or one, how many like cordless vacuums? I don't have one at home, but we have one here at the church. And um, cordless vacuums are great for getting underneath the, the chairs because there's a whole lot of chairs around here. You've got to get underneath those. If you have a cord, it's a, it's a bear. So we would go out and we would buy the, the cheap vacuums. The, the, uh, what is it they advertise on the TV? The, the shark ones. You know, you'd lay out about uh, 75 100 bucks for one of these things. And, um, and they would last about a year and then they would break and we'd have to go get another one something on it would break it was always something different i think we went through three of them i said forget it we are going to go out and we are going to get guess what i got we got a dyson we got a dyson i don't know how many years ago that was it was either six or seven years ago and it still works we don't have to buy a new one. We don't have to replace it. It works. It gets it all. Miss Sharon's always telling me, oh, yeah, it works just fine. It's, it's good. I'm not telling you that they are the best vacuums that are out there that are cordless. I'm just telling you we got one, and it's still working. I got tired of, of uh, replacing them every year. We had to keep buying a new one. No, it's not saving you any money if you've got to lay out 100 bucks every year. That's not helping you. No, if you, if you once you start... You go through all that stuff, then you start to get some maturity on this thing. You realize, buy something good and pay for it. I mean, you can look for a deal, but I'm not trying to buy a Dyson for the price of a shark. I want a Dyson. I want something that's, I want an Echo. I want something that's going to be there when I need it to be, to, to start up when I need it to start up. Mature people know that anything of real value will cost them and they don't mind paying what it's worth. Here's the third one. They treat it as the treasure or the value it is. When you start laying out some money for something, you treat it well. You treat it nice. When you start laying out some money for that car, you got a nice car, you're going to treat that a little bit better than you did when you just got that cheap thing. Now, immature people usually look for a deal. Immature people usually look for a deal and then either don't have anything of value or don't see it as valuable. They don't see it as a treasure. Now, I'm not saying that you can't ever look for a deal. If you're in the business, your business is buying cheap to fix up and buy and sell expensive, that's different. I'm talking about something you're looking for for yourself. You need something, you want to go out there and find it. 
We're always looking for a deal. I had people, when I make the bunk beds for people, and um, I didn't charge a whole lot for these bunk beds compared to what they were in the, in the stores, but sometimes I would get people and they would try and take the price down lower. Well, is, is there a way that you can, you can make this cheaper? Absolutely. Absolutely, I can. And I start knocking things off. And, uh, you know, we went from a, maybe at, at that point, I was doing that more, I was there three, $400 beds, and I could probably knock off 100 bucks for them. Oh, I appreciate that, and they feel like they got themselves a deal. I said, well, you didn't, because I just knocked off a whole lot of things I'm going to be doing for that bed. I'm not sending in as much. I knocked off some of the nicer pieces, just, just took them out, put in the, the not, not quite as decorative pieces. I used uh, uh, another way to build this part. It'll work for you, but it's not going to be as good as this one over here. And so they feel like they, they got a deal. Uh, no, you just didn't want to pay what you wanted for this, so this is what you got. And then some people, you know, they would call you up and say, well, yeah, I know, $350 for a bunk bed. I, I, I went over to Walmart, and they had one for 200 I said, well, then go get it. Now, in a year or two, they're going to call me back up. And they're going to say, well, it's not working anymore. I have bunk beds that I put in service 18, 20 years ago that are still in operation. And sometimes I've, people have called me and said, can you move them? Yeah, yeah, I can come move them. And I'll move them. And they say, oh, these things have been the best for us. We just, they're just, just as solid today as they were before. You can get a deal if you want, but you won't necessarily get a treasure. People who know, mature people know anything good will cost you. If you want what God has, it will cost you. Stop looking for a deal. There's a whole lot of Christians out, especially today, we see a whole lot of Christians out there for a deal. Well, God, can I get eternal life? Can I get salvation? But keep this, 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 and this. Can we work out a little deal here? I know your word says don't do this, 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 and this. But, you know, can we work out it? If I do this, 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 and this, but I, I keep this. We're trying to make a deal. Trying to barter with God. There's Christians out there all the time. Well, if I, if I can just live like this, would that be all right? Can I still have, can I still have salvation? Sure, people know anything of real value, it's going to cost you. And they're willing to pay it. They're willing because they know it has value. They're, they're willing to pay it. Immature people that look for a deal, what they have, they won't treasure it. They just got a deal. A real encourager, someone who's a real encourager in life, will not talk you into deals, but into giving what's needed to get what you are shooting for. That's an encourager. They're going to tell you, you, this is what you need to do. If you want to get that, you know, if you want to go out there and you want to buy one of those uh, weed whackers and you start talking to people and you get, and Les gets a hold of you, he's going to make sure that you buy something good. He's going to encourage you to go out there and get something that's good because he knows. If you don't want to listen, he'll say, that's fine. You know, get whatever you want to. He's fine with that. You don't have to, he doesn't get his feelings hurt if you don't listen to him. I was watching a, one of those videos that comes up, and uh, there was a guy out there. He was uh, uh, some kind of a bodybuilder, and he was doing some kind of a, I'm not familiar, familiar with this lift, but there's apparently a rack, and the, the weights are in the rack, and you take the, the weights at this level instead of all the way down here, and you deadlift it all the way up to the top. And so he was doing that, and he had so many weights on both sides. I mean, this guy was not super, he was big, but he was not super huge. And it was one of those things where the bar looked like it was bending some. And he took that thing, he, he backed on off there, and he got that up over his head. And you can tell, you know, it was a strain. I'm, that weighed more than me. <laughs> he had a lot of weight on that sucker. And then he's, he's coming on back on up, and he's putting it down. There's this guy behind him sitting on his bench. He just got finished doing some bench presses. He's sitting there, and he's sitting on the, on the bench, and he hollers over to him, Don't you put that back. One more. One more. And the guy just kind of laughed, and he stepped back, and he put up another one. And as he's getting ready to, to bring that one down and, and put it up, he says, he calls him a name. He says, only such and such will put that back and not get three. And so he, he backs on off. 
He throws it back up in the air. He says, don't you put that back till you give me four. I want four. Give me four. So the guy, he's just laughing. He's smiling. All right. So he comes on back and he does four. He says, no, I want to see five. Five. Give me five. And so the guy does five. He went from doing one at this weight to doing five simply because somebody got in the back there and encouraged him. They knew what he was going for. They knew if you want to get it, it's going to cost you. And this guy's willing to pay it. And he had an encourager who was willing to help him go. Not one of those people that says, oh boy, that was so good what you did. Are you tired? You want to put that back up? No, no, no. Come on, get another one out there. They went from doing one rep to doing five. Verse six. But if you you or your sons... Oh, I missed the whole, whole section there for you. Let me go over that. God won't compromise what he asks because he knows what achieving the goal will cost. God won't compromise what he asks. When God says, this is my will, this is what I need you to do, he's not going to compromise because he knows if you want to get there, this is what it costs. This is what it will take for you. If you want to walk with God, if you want to have rewards in heaven, if you want to be in, in before the, the throne of God, if you want to have positions in the kingdom that is to come, it is going to cost you. Now, who's willing to pay the price? And you've got a whole lot of Christians out there that are trying to make, you know, let's make a deal. Well, if I do this, this, and this, what will that get me? But you see, the mature Christians are saying, whatever you say, I will do it. Whatever it costs, let's do it. How many of you would like to be able to go into a new car dealership? And just and look around at the cars that are there. I want that one. I want it in red. I want it decked out. This is, and you just tell them what, you, what it is you want. Uh, okay. And uh, uh, do you want to see what it costs? I don't care what it costs. I want it. How long will it take you to get it? I've seen people. I've sold cars for a little while. And I saw people. They were coming in. And they want this and they want that. And they want this option on it. And they don't want to pay nothing for it. I saw many a sales manager laugh in the face of customers come on in. They say, this is what I want. This is the price I want to pay. They just laugh at them and they walk out. (laughs) It's good to know what you want. But you better know what it's going to cost you. God is telling you in his word, this is what you want. Here's your calling. Here's what... Here's what's ahead of you in heaven. I want you to have rewards in heaven. Those rewards cost something down here. Paul goes on three, talks about the different crowns that are there. And what it will cost in your life down here. God won't compromise what he asks because he knows what achieving the goal will cost. Now this is important for you to get. A negotiated price yields a compromised prize. A negotiated price yields a compromised prize. Verse 6, But if you or your sons at all turn from following me and do not keep my commandments and my statutes which I have set before you, but go and serve other gods and worship them, you don't pay the price. You don't live the life you need to live down here. Then I will cut off Israel from the land which I have given them. And this house which I have consecrated for my name, I will cast out my sight. Israel will be a proverb and a byword among all people. And as for this house, which is exalted, anyone who passes by it will be astonished and will hiss and say, Why has the Lord done this to this land and to this house? Then they will answer, Because they forsook the Lord their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have embraced other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore the Lord has brought all this calamity on them. Because they were not willing to pay the price. There's a whole lot of Christians who show up in church on Sundays. Maybe they only show up in church and occasionally on Sundays, whatever it might be. But they are not willing to forgo the things of the world. They have their own idols. And they are not willing to let them go. They have idolatrous worship in there. There's, oh, I saw this. I'm still shaking my head. I still cannot believe that this happened. This happened this week. I heard this go on this week. I think one of the, one of the case states, I think it was Kentucky. 
had primary elections. Am I right on that? Does anybody know? Kentucky have primary elections this week? This, I think it was Kentucky. I don't think it was Kansas. I think it was Kentucky. On the ballot in Kentucky, they put a referendum that was geared to take the state to a place where abortions were not as free or not as available. To restrict the abortion. Not to eliminate, but to restrict them. They had people who completely misrepresented what this was and uh, just put the ads out there. But that didn't surprise me because that's the, the people on that side, they lie. That's what they do. They lie. They tried to say that this was a, a referendum, that government was going to have more control over your body. No, it was a referendum to keep abortions down, put abortions down, keep them from being able to get it. But this is the one that really got me. They said, this is, this is what we're going to play for you. This is what's happening. There were pastors, there were priests, there were people of religious organizations, churches, who got on and did an ad that no regulation like this should pass that would restrict a woman's rights, freedom, and all this. Pastors. I heard them. I don't, I don't mean I read. I heard them and say, I heard them identify themselves. I'm Pastor so-and-so from this church. I counsel with people. I see the things that people go through. This is what, those are some, some pastors that are not paying the price. Still shake my head that that's going on. But I, I know it does. But then when you hear it, you hear it. How can anyone say, well, they can't. But anyway, let's go on. You'll, you'll see this here in a minute. First Kings 11. But King Solomon loved many foreign women. Now, the problem here is not that they are foreign. God has no problem with people even intermixing race in marriage, inter- intermixing people from other countries. He has no problem with someone being married to a person who is not Jewish as long as they accepted Jesus, oh, I'm sorry, accepted God as Jehovah, as Lord. As long as they would do that. As long as they would come under the Scriptures and do what the Scripture says and didn't worship idols and forsook the idols of their country. He didn't care. There are people that are in the lineage of Jesus that are what you would call foreign women. Rahab is one of the most well-known ones. But there's others beside that. And God had no problem putting them in the lineage of Jesus. What he has a problem with is when you start marrying someone who's going to pull your heart from God. That's why he says, don't be unequally yoked. Don't you tell me, well, I can do this. Well, I'll get them saved. No, you won't. I heard this example decades ago. I mean decades ago. I've given it to you once or twice, but it was from Charles Stanley. How many of y'all know Charles Stanley? I enjoy Charles Stanley. Charles Stanley, if you uh, can picture, how many have never, have never seen Charles Stanley in a video in his church? Anybody ever seen, not seen? How many people have seen Charles Stanley in a video in his church? He's been in the same church for forever. I think since Moses. <laughs> But he's been in the, the same church. And you know, he's got, a, he's got a podium up. He's got a whole lot of steps. And this is what he did. He said, missionary dating, people who marry someone, people get into a relationship with someone who is not saved, it is like, I'm going to help this person and I'm reaching down to pull them up to God. And they're, not, they're just out of reach. And so they get a little lower. Trying to reach down and pull this person up. They're still not quite getting them. So they get a little bit lower trying to help them pull him up. And he said, before long, you're going to turn around and see, and he's now down on, his, on the same level. You're going to find out you're on the same level as the people you were trying to reach up and minister to. That's how sly it is. That's how slick it is, it, how it gets in there. If it got into Solomon, the wisest man on the earth, before or after God said, don't you think you're above it? He loved many foreign women, as well as the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, You shall not intermarry with them, nor they with you. Surely they will turn your hearts 
after their God. Solomon clung to these in love, and he had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart, for it was so when Solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not loyal to the Lord his God, as was the heart of his father David. For Solomon went after Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites, Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and did not fully follow the Lord as did his father David. Then Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab, on the hill that is in the east of Jerusalem, and for Molech, the abomination of the people of Ammon. And he did likewise for all his foreign wives who burned incense and sacrificed to their gods. Now Molech I know, and I'm pretty sure that Chemosh did as well, they required child sacrifice, which is no different than abortion. You can listen to all the people who want to say, well, it's for the security. It is not for the security of the mom, the safety of the mom. The number of those abortions that are performed is less than 1%, I believe is the last thing I heard, that are actually for the life of the, of the mom. It's more convenience, inconvenience, whatever it might be. This is why it's there. God removed nations because they practiced this. God removed Israel because they adopted the practice. It was a horrible practice. Sure, they didn't do it in the womb because they didn't probably have the tools. But they, uh, I believe it was uh, Molech who was a, a furnace goddess and they would take the babies and put them into the arms or the hands of the god. They would set the thing on fire and the metal would heat up and the mom and the dad and the people, they would hear the cries of the child as the metal got hotter and hotter until the child died. Now we just take them apart piece by piece. It's an evil before God, and God throughout the Old Testament constantly said, don't do this, don't do this. And it's not just even in the Old Testament. Rome, do you know the downfall of Rome was because they aborted their babies? You can look it up in your history books. The Roman citizens' babies became an inconvenience, and so when they were born, they would take a pillow and they would put it over top of the face of the baby until the baby stopped moving. And what happened with that was there was not enough Romans to man the army, and so they had a lot of hirelings in the army. And Rome's army became less powerful and less loyal. Other nations had the same problem. God was angry. Verse 9, So the Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned from the Lord God of Israel who had appeared to him twice. And I commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he did not keep what the Lord had commanded. Therefore the Lord said to Solomon, Because you have done this and have not kept my covenant and my statutes which I commanded you, I will surely tear the kingdom away from you and give it to your servant. He slashed it out of his hand. Nevertheless, I will not do it in your days for the sake of your father David. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to you to your son for the sake of my servant David and for the sake of Jerusalem which I have chosen. This one is not said it came like the other ones. This is likely delivered by a prophet. The prophet is not mentioned. The fact that there was a prophet is not mentioned, but this is the kind of word God delivers via a prophet. Now notice what happened here. The price became negotiated until it became only what Solomon wanted or was willing to give, not what God asked for. It said when he became old. That means that he had these foreign women and he stayed worshiping God. But eventually, he, made, he started to negotiate. Well, I'm not going to worship them, but how about if I just build some temples for them to worship so that they feel more at home? I'll just do that. I'll build some temples so that they can worship. And then eventually, they began to bring him over to the worship. Well, I'll just go with them. I won't necessarily em, em, embrace the worship. And then eventually he began to worship them. And then pretty soon all this evil was going on in the land. And Solomon is the one who brought it in. The price became negotiated until it became only what Solomon wanted or was willing to give. And this is what happens, folks. This is what happens when we start getting away from the things of God. We begin to negotiate. Well, God, does God really want that? Is that really something for today? Should I really be doing that? What did God say? Pay the price. You want the prize? Pay the price. You will be glad that you did. You will be very glad that you did. 
What would you what would happen if you go into a restaurant and the restaurant says all you can eat pancakes ten dollars? That's on the menu, you go in there for the special, all you can eat pancakes for ten dollars. And you start negotiating. I don't want to pay ten dollars. Can I get all I can eat pancakes for eight dollars? And if somebody is willing to negotiate that with you, what do you think the chances are that the pancakes they bring out to you from the back room are the ones that fell on the floor? That's all right, give it to that guy. He's not paying full price anyway. When you start negotiating the price, you're going to get a different product in the end. Solomon followed the encouragement of his foreign wives who worshipped idols because they were encouraging him. Don't think you're above this. I understand we've got kids in here with us today. As you're growing up, people, kids your age, people that are older than you, adults, you're going to have people that are that are older than you even, you're going to have people that are your peers, they're going to be encouraging you to compromise the things of God. They're going to be encouraging you. You don't need to do all that. You shouldn't have to do all that. God's not going to require all that. Oh, God's not under the law anymore. And all these different things we're going to get to, to get you to compromise and to get you to, to alter and to not be worshiping just God. Does God really want you just to be worshiping one God? I mean, how can you relate to the world if you only worship one God? How can you relate to the world if you only have one way to get to heaven? That's not right. We've got to change that up a little bit. So Solomon followed the encouraging of, of his foreign wives. And he began to worship idols. He didn't get any encouragement like that from God. In doing so, he left the encouraging words that God had spoken to him. God, it said, appeared to him twice. First time in a dream, he told him the same things that he told him in the second time. When the second time we just reiterated it. If you will do this, if you will follow this way, this is what I will do. If you will do this, if you will follow in this way, this is what I will do. He stopped going over those words and he went into a different direction. We want to wrap this up here. Just know you are receiving encouragement. There is evil encouragement and there is good encouragement. And it is going around you wherever you are. You have evil encouragement you have good encouragement. You've got to begin to discern the difference between what is evil and what is good. Obviously, not all Christians can tell the difference because we got these pastors I mentioned to you that are doing this stuff. They've been encouraged to go in this, this particular direction. They've been encouraged to go and to do certain marriage ceremonies. You know we won't do it here. I don't even know if they've been doing this in church. Then maybe they don't have a men's room and a boys' room anymore. We still, we still do. <laughs> Oh, man, it's uh, the, the things that we do. We still know the difference between girls and boys, men and women. I know the difference between them. I have not become confused on, on such matters. I'm not about to become confused on such matters. These people want to say that they're so smart, can't even tell the difference between a boy and a girl. Stupid. There is evil encouragement, but understand this. Evil, the things that evil encourages you to do, the things that evil people encourage you to do, there's no resistance to it. There's no resistance. This world hasn't. It's not going to resist you on this. It's easy just to go with the flow. Godly encouragement does have resistance and has difficulties along the way. You're going to find some difficulties. You're going to need some people that encourage you. You're going to pull some encouragement from the Word of God. To have the strength you need to follow what is godly, you'll need to focus your growth on three areas. Are you ready for this? You need to focus on these three things if you are going to get the kind of encouragement that you need to have. First off, first thing is knowing His Word. you got to know His Word. You don't got to know what somebody said about His Word. you got to know what His Word says. You need people in your life that teach you what the Bible says. What it says. There's a difference between what someone says it says and what the Bible says. You've got to know what it says. You need to be looking for people in your life that break down the Bible. This is, this is what the Bible says here. This is what it says here. Begin to show you all through Scripture. This is the teaching. This is the, the things. This is how it's been done. Knowing His Word. Now, I put in my notes here. It's not in your notes, but it's in my notes. This is the belt of truth. This is the belt of truth. You need to have that belt on. We've been talking about this spiritual warfare, getting into the spiritual armor here on Wednesday nights. And 
Uh, that's one of the first pieces that was there. We spent some time on it. You can go back there and pull up that Wednesday one if you want to. If you have any trouble with it, let me know. But the belt of truth, what the devil has to do, he's got to first off, he's got to disengage that belt. He's got to get that belt to loosen up a little bit. Has God really said? That's what Solomon got hit with. Has God really said you shall only worship one God? You've got to know His Word. You've got to focus in your life on knowing the Word of God. I've studied the Word of God for decades. I still don't know it. I know how much I don't know. Sometimes I look at it and say, boy, there's so much I don't know. So much I don't know. We've been going through the spiritual warfare and, and stuff, and we've been having a good time with it. And uh, I appreciate the comments and the things people have been saying, but I've been giving a comment to myself. Dear Lord, how did I ever teach this before and not see all this stuff? I don't know. I, I can get a little mad at myself. How could you teach all these things about the armor and not see the things that you're seeing now to teach? I don't know. I'll be teaching again in 10 years, 5 years, something like that. Maybe I'll get there and say, how did I not see this? I fully expect that because I know there's a whole lot on the Word I don't know yet, so I keep studying that. I keep going after it. I keep pursuing it because I'm going to learn it. It's there to help me. The more of it that I know, the more protected I'm at. It is the belt of truth, knowing His Word. Second one, following His voice. Following His voice. These last two are part of the armament as well. I'm not giving them to you because we haven't covered them yet. But I'll try to remember and come back and give them to you. Knowing His Word, that's the belt of truth. Following His voice. You've got to learn how to follow His voice. It is great to know the Word. And it will help you tremendously. But you've also got to learn how to follow that inward voice. How many times does Jesus speak about things that the Spirit of God led him into? The Spirit of God revealed to him. The Spirit of God told him. He didn't just have the written word that he knew. He also had the Spirit of God that spoke to him and that told him. And do not think you are ever too young for this. We know God speaks to kids. Kids seem to be closer to God. They hear things. They don't have all the knowledge and things. God will speak to you no matter what age you are as long as you're willing to listen. How old was Samuel when God spoke to him? Follow his voice. You've got to be following his voice. This is something you need to grow in. You need to learn what, it, what it's going to be. He's going to help you make some decisions now. Just even in buying something. Should I buy this or should I buy that? The Spirit of God will help you. It's not so much that it's critical that you buy the right thing. What is critical is that you learn the voice of God. That's what's important. You've got to learn that voice. You've got you to hear what he's saying. Because later on, he's going to have you make decisions. You're going to make decisions like, should I go to this school or that school or no school? Should I take this job or that job? What job should I take? Should I make this investment? Should I not make this investment? Should I buy this car? Should I not buy this car? And he will help you. He'll give you that leading. And you'll hear those things. You will avoid all kinds of trouble. Knowing His Word, following His voice. Here's the third one, understanding His will. Understanding His will. There's things that we face today that are not in the Word of God. But if I understand from the Word of God what the Word of God says, I can understand what the will of God. Well, God will do this here. How many of you all know, uh, husbands, the wife sends you out to, to buy something, right? How many of you have been there? Wife sends you out. I need you to buy and gives you two or three things to buy. And you're going out there and they don't have those two or three things. Right? So, so you have the written word right there. You got the written word. Buy, blip, blip, blip. There it is. There's a, they don't have them. What's your, first, what's your first thing? Come on, husbands. What's the first thing you do? This is not your list. This is her list. What's the first thing you do? Call. You got cell phones, you call. Honey, they don't have that. What else you want? So that's the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you. It's just like the same thing. You got the, you got the written word, and there's some areas where, well, the written word doesn't quite exactly tell me what to do here, but the Spirit of God will come up to you and He'll tell you. And you got that. But what happens if your wife doesn't have her phone on her? What happens then? You got the list. They don't have these three things. I tried to call. I didn't get an answer. So what do you do? Well, based upon 
what my wife has wanted before, I'm going to say it's probably this one. And the more you understand the will of the wife in the matter, the better of a decision you'll make. How many people have come home and you brought the wrong thing? <laughs> Why? Because I didn't understand the will. I didn't understand the will. Now, it flips around the other way, too. You may, send your, you may be involved in a project. Honey, I need this, piece, this type of glue. Can you go out there and get this kind of glue? And she goes out and she doesn't find that kind of glue. Can't get you in the phone either because you're under the sink or doing something like that. And so she picks out a different kind of glue because she didn't know your will in that thing. But if she knew your will, if she knew, understood what was, what was going on, she could even talk to a person. We're trying to glue this. We're trying to fix this. And you come out with the right thing. There's three things you've got to know. You've got to know his word. You've got to know his voice. You've got to know his will. What would God, if, if I picture God in this situation, what would God do? Now, don't tell me that you're ignorant of your wife's will, because you're not. Because you have been involved in a situation and you know, a bunch of guys, and they say, let's all go out and do this. And instantly, on the inside, you hear, my wife would not like that. <laughs> Why? Because I know the will. There are some things you can know the will on. If when you know the will of God in the matter, you can say, God does not want me going there. God does not want me doing that. If you don't progress in these three areas, you will fall away from what God has said. That's not a question. It's not mad. It's a possibility. If you do not progress in these three areas, you will fall away from what God has said. If Solomon could fall away from what God has said, how much more could you? You've got to keep yourself on this. Know the Word. Did Solomon know the Word? He did. Did he know how to follow the voice of God? He did. Did he understand the will of God? He did. But you see, he didn't stay with it. And he began to fall away. If you don't progress in these three areas, you will fall away from what God has said in His Word. You will fall away from what God has said in His Spirit, or by His Spirit. And you will fall away from what God has said through His servants. Those are the three things that He has given you to help you out. His Word, His Spirit, and His servants. How many times were the people in the Old Testament supposed to listen to the prophet when he came and he spoke? How many people in the New Testament were supposed to listen to the prophet, were supposed to listen to the apostles, supposed to listen to the teacher? And they listened and went off on their own way. You get these things going, though. You pay the price. Oh, there's a good reward. Oh, there's a good reward. Every day there's a reward with God. Just walking with God and seeing the people that are in the world all tore up because of all the things that are going on. All tore up because they're not sure what decision to make here. All tore up because they don't know how this is going to pan out over here. And you just keep on walking. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, that, that's, a, that's part of the benefits package with God. And that's what you want. This stuff that's going on around here, just it's not going to bother you because you're reaping the benefits. Because I'm following His Word. I'm going to know His Word. I'm going to keep on learning His Word. I'm going to grow in that area. I'm going to learn the voice of His, of his Spirit so I can follow that voice. I'm going to learn it. I'm going to learn everything that I do. I'm going to talk with God. I'm going to listen to what His voice has to say because these things are, are important. And I'm going to get to know my Father. I'm going to get to know Him so when I am involved in a situation, I can say, this is what the, this is what the Lord will would want. Maybe some of you had a girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife. You're out shopping for them. And you think, oh, I think they would like this. Why? Because you got to know. Because you got to know. I was, uh, I'm always trying. I, I'm the one who's tasked in the house with finding proper programming to watch. So my wife, she just sits down and, and I pull up whatever it is that I've found and I, I put up on tape. And sometimes I find one on tape and I get to, oh, oh, my wife's going to like this one. She's going to like this one. And so, you know, I, I get it and I pull, it, I pull one of them out of the hat this week and I put it on that. She's, oh, that was a good movie. 
I'm thinking, I knew I knew you were going to like it. <laughs> I liked it too, but I knew she was going to like it. I knew it was, it was something that was going to be in that, uh, that because I knew her. This is how you got to get to know God. I, and that's what you got to do. If you will get to know, the, if you'll get these three things going on, if you will hear the encouragement that comes from God's Word, if you will hear the encouragement that comes from His Spirit, if you will hear the encouragement that comes because you do what God has asked you to do, life will not be as difficult. I'm not saying you're not going to go through hard times, but you're going to go through them, and it's going to be more like you know Peter getting beaten. but the best you got. Paul getting beaten out there singing praises. Jesus getting beaten. Come on. We're going to the cross. Let's go. It's not that it's easy. Oh, but there's so much more joy in your life. There's so much more of the good things that are going on. And you know, this is a treasure. This is something that is good. I will pay the price because I want something good in my life. Because I want something good, I will pay the price. The world has a lot of alternatives. Their deals. They slashed the price on them. Today only. Take this religion and you can do whatever you want. But God has a price. And it's worth paying. Because in the end you get a treasure. In the end you get something that is worthwhile. In the end you get something that says, I am so glad that I got this. This has helped me. Would y'all stand up for me? Today is our communion Sunday. Our are going to come and bring the elements around for us. As they're getting ready before they begin to, to bring them out. Every head bowed and eyes closed. If you're here today and you say, I have not followed after God the way that I should have been following. I have not been willing to pay the price. But I'm willing to pay the price now. Raise your hand up. We want to pray pray for you. I see that. Glory to God. Father God, you see the hands of the people that raised their hand. They may not have paid the price before, but they're willing to pay the price now. And I thank you that you are willing to receive them. You have never turned anyone away. No matter what it is that we have done in our life, wandering away from you. You have never turned person away. I thank you for the restoration that you do here today. I give you the praise and the glory for it. Ushers, go ahead and bring our communion elements. See, Jesus knew when he came down here on this earth that he wanted a great treasure. In fact, he gave a parable about it. He said there was a man who found a pearl of great price. And he went and sold everything he had to buy that pearl of great price. There's a man who found a treasure buried in the earth. And so he put it back where it was and he went and he bought the land that it was in. Sold all that he had to buy it. We don't have time to break it all down for you today, but the treasure of the saints of the Old Testament, the pearl of the saints of the New Testament. The specific reasons why that's so. But he went and he got both. And he said, this is such a great thing, such a great treasure, that I will sell everything I have. I will give everything I have to give to get it. When God looks on you, He sees you as a great treasure, as a pearl of great price. And He was willing to give everything for you. He was willing to lay it all out. He lived all those years, 33 and a half years on this earth, overcoming sin. Three and a half years, the Pharisees badgering Him. He spent that day being beaten and whipped and mocked and scorned and nailed to a cross. He spent three days in the grave but then he came out. See, he knew the end product was worth the price. And what he has told you is 
the end product is worth the price. Don't be afraid to pay it. Don't be ashamed to pay it. Be glad to pay it. It'll be a treasure to you. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, before supper, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this represents my body, which is broken for you. He allowed his body to be broken, beaten, whipped, flesh not even recognizable for you. When he was being beaten, he was thinking of you and the great treasure that you are. Remember, you are a great treasure to him. Treasure what he has for you the same way. Let's eat together. end of supper he took the cup said this is the blood of the new covenant no longer are we under the blood that only covered sin we now have the blood that washes it away and we have the ability to stand before him righteous we drink together don't let the world tell you don't let the enemy tell you that there's anything you have to add to what God has done you were righteous because of what he did. He paid that price. I just need to receive it. Once I receive it, the world will make sure that you pay a price. But you don't need to pay a price to get saved. The world will put you through some things to try and move you off of it. Don't let them do it. It's worth staying on course. Let's drink together. Father, I thank you that your word teaches us, it helps us. You speak to us so that we can know your word more. We can know your voice. You said, my, you said, my sheep know my voice. Help us, Father, to learn that voice even more. So we can hear that voice just like the can of a friend or a loved one in a crowded mall. You can hear their voice above all others. Oh, it's important we know your word. We hear your voice. And as we walk in them, we learn your will. We can be in a, any situation and say, this is what God would want done here. And we can do it. Thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, glory to God. The, um, thank you, sir. Video teaching will come out to you tomorrow. It is from Brother Creflo Dollar. It is from the 2022 conference that was going on. I know we've had some discussion about Brother Creflo and some of the things he was teaching on tithing. Uh, one doctrine does not make me write off anybody. There's a whole lot of people I give you teachings on and they have one or two doctors that well I don't like that one I don't think that's right at all and I have reasons for it in scripture but uh, that, uh, I, I always go through the thing I listen to anybody before I put them out there on Monday as long as it's something that we enjoy a lot of the other ones that were going on there things are teaching they're teaching the same thing that you heard before so I wasn't pulling things from that but there might be a, a couple others but this is a great one on righteousness and it goes right along with what we just did on the breastplate of righteousness so that'll show up on Facebook, on the church page on Facebook, mon uh, yeah, Monday at 11 o'clock. If you don't get Facebook, you're on the text list. We text it out still. If you want to be on that text list, you just let me know. We can certainly put you, put you on that one. And as you all know...